Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term Show, Nick and I sit down with Frank Ungaro, and if you have not heard of Frank before, this is a dangerous dude. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We've known him for some time. He's been a rock star inner circle member for, I feel like, a decade, and been, big a, been can't speak, been a huge, has been a huge supporter of ours over the years, so we're very grateful to him. On this episode, we talk about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, artificial intelligence, fishing, the economy, real estate, all of it. And he's launching a new podcast, so be on the lookout for it. It's called Always Be Choking, and he explains why it's called Always Be Choking. It's got a great meaning to it, so watch out for the Always Be Choking podcast. His name is Frank Ungaro. I think you're going to get a blast of this conversation. We had some fun with it. And if you are listening to this and you want to get some real estate information on Saturday, February 20th, so that's coming up in a few weeks here on Saturday, February 20th, 2021, we are doing the next Your Life, Your Terms event. It has to be virtual, of course, with everything going on in the world, but we have a ton of people already registered for it. We reserve a few spots to be purchased by non-Rockstar Inner Circle members. If you want to check out what we are doing on Saturday, February 20th, you can go to the URL, yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. See if there's some tickets, uh, some tickets still available. <laughs> See if there's some tickets still available. There should be. We're just opening it up right now. So if you want to check that out, you can go there. We're going to do a, a Rockstar economic update. We're going to do a Rockstar local real estate market update. We have Greg Foss coming on to chat about the credit market and why Canadians, even if you're not into bonds and credit, why you need to be aware of these things as it could be an early warning sign to what's to come for the economy. So he's going to come on and break things down for us. We're really grateful for that. Our own personal accountant is coming on because we're going to talk about the evolution of tax structures for real estate investors, everything from going to owning properties yourself, to using one corporation, to using multiple corporations, to introducing whole life insurance policies and family trust, the whole bit. So we're having that. And we have one more session we're just firming up. We'll be announcing shortly. You can grab yourself a ticket at yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. If you're a Rockstar Inner Circle member, you should know hundreds of members have already signed up. That registration is already open for you to reach out to the office and you can reserve yourself a seat. We're gonna cap this event out. We leave the cameras on for these things and zoom has a limit of a thousand people i think last time we hit like i, th I think it was around 700 i feel like we're gonna go higher this time so do not hesitate grab yourself a seat if you're thinking of attending this it's on saturday february 20th from 8 30 in the morning till about 12 30 p.m that's it for the intro let's get on with the show are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Frank Ungaro. Go, keep sharing. What were you saying? You're at a property? Yeah, I, I do this every time. I curse at you and Nick every time this happens. And we were, we had one of our... Um, dryers washer dryers you know shit the bed and uh we were in there just trying to get it out of the raining and snowing and, and walking through the mud and then we're installing it and i'm like i look at doug and i go no dirty hands work no yeah, dirty yeah, hands yeah, work yeah, yeah 
you know. Yeah. That no, no, we, said, a, we that, said without touching a hammer. We said without touching. You didn't need I a hammer to do that. Specifically, remember the phrase "no dirty hands work." <laughs> Actually, oh, he is standing there he with is right. soiled on one, hands. On one of the slides that we have, it does say "no dirty hands dirty work." Dirty hands were yeah, my yeah, hands yeah. were filthy, and I turned to my partner Doug and I said, "Those guys, Tom, and guys, they Tom really and got me. They screwed me. <laughs> they screwed me." So if you, Frank has been on the podcast uh, a, a while before, ago now, a while ago, yeah, but yeah. it's grown so. Um, if you don't know Frank, and definitely a great investor, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I guess I can't say expert. It doesn't seem like the right word for BJJ. You're black belt, right? Black belt. Yeah, you know, black belt, uh, when you reach that level, you're, you know, you've reached a level of uh, extreme proficiency. But then you also really become aware of the things that are your deficiencies. Uh, especially things like uh, the importance of timing and the intangibles, things that you don't learn from a one, two, three step instruction. You, you realize that you have to step outside of the realm of structured learning and understand the intangibles that only time on the mat gives you. So you're so cliche. You're starting over again at a higher level. And it's cliche and it sounds hokey. No, but it makes arts, sense. The more true. you learn about it, it's, it's, it's like Nick's, Nick, when we got into the, like the monetary policy, we were first lo- just looking at interest rates. And then you learn more and more. And once you learn the central banking system and then the credit markets, then every layer is like, oh my gosh, there's like 10 layers to the credit markets. But Whereas you, before we just thought this was this is one little point. Mm-hmm. Then you bring on somebody like Greg Foss and you're like, holy Ugh. crap, this is like 10 layers deep. So I get it on the BJJ world. Once you get to a certain proficiency, you realize... Well, you need that. Otherwise, what? Okay, I, I know this now and that's it, I'm done. Like you just, I don't know. I, I'm the type of person that... That's great. I've done this. I'm probably to a fault the other way is I'm like, okay, now here's the next goal I set for myself, right? So I like, as soon as I do something that I've wanted to do, it took me a year to, to be able to do it. And then I'm like, okay, next. And so I don't yeah. even enjoy, I enjoy the moment for about 35 seconds. Right? Yeah, so. I'm not like that. I tend to do things to death and do the shit out of them. Like that's what I do. So can we, we can swear on this podcast. Well, right? it's too late now. It's not going to be any other way. I'm sorry, Jesus. guys. Um, damn but, it. There goes the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Everything I seem to do in life seems to be like a lifelong pursuit because it's a, an intricate thing. So, you know, I, I like to fish a lot, but I chose the most uh, difficult way to fish and the most difficult fish to target. What, what's that? Uh, musky, musky lunch, musky fishing. So it's the apex freshwater fish, and it's known as the fish of 10,000 casts because it is the fish of 10,000 casts. <laughs> it takes forever. I've, I've gone entire seasons and not seen a fish. So when you get a musky, you just like you hit the jackpot. It's crazy. It's absolute the craziest adrenaline rush in the boat with your buddies and that you're able to grab. And first of all, it's a team effort to get it in. Um, the boat and, and, and to coordinate because they're that big the size? and strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're going after the real ones, you're, you're fishing like the great musky lakes and you're looking for a 50 inch plus fish. That's, you know, 35, 45, 55 pounds with razor sharp teeth everywhere and hate your guts. Right. Wants to kill you. Well, yeah. Cause you want to kill it. Well, no, we so, want to, well, no, we want to release it healthy and strong, but we want to definitely like, there's something about, you want to hug it. Yeah, we want to hug it. And there's, you know, you smiled. I'm not even joking. Um, (laughs) Look, there's something about being able to meet and then hoist up a fish that is something that almost nobody on the planet will ever get to meet or experience or handle. And I'm not just looking at my phone because I'm being rude, but I'm going to show you guys really quick what um, what one of these looks like. But to go a whole season without catching one of these things, to me, when I went fishing, Nick, you know, oh, geez, that is that's, huge. That's on the bigger side, but... Uh, Holy... So how many pounds is this? 
that's about a 40 pound fish wow and that was caught in december at the end of the season in a snow and ice and rainstorm on the st lawrence river we that's have, 40 pounds but that thing looks like it's five feet long uh, like you couldn't get feet, it on a boat in feet? december uh <laughs> no it's um it's a little over four feet yeah wow it was, it was a pretty big one so uh that was my best fish this season uh, i have a podcast called the ugly pike podcast and uh that's you know that's really it started off as a silly conversation with my friend and now three years we crushed a hundred thousand downloads in october and we're already on our way like quickly to one hundred fifty thousand. so it's just it's out of control right now so are you getting some top fishermen people on the podcast that we, was not only are we getting them we've gotten them and they're they're now contacting us so we're seeing a, a really cool paradigm shift where it's almost like like the traditional guys on TV are looking to leap into the online space. And I think a lot of the online guys are like, well, I want, I'm doing this again on TV. But they don't really realize that like we're ahead of the curve here on this side of the table. And um, I think a lot of the older guys and, and, and the establishment people are like, like, we need to be more like these guys. And so it just so happened that we've, we're positioning ourselves as these subject matter experts and, and we're traveling. We're we're spending a lot of time on the water. We're really earning this, and um, it's really paying off. We're we're in some talks with some major sponsors right now, and uh, like I don't you're know, an interesting man. character because you got the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. What's the name of your school in Niagara? Pasador Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Pasador Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Yeah. Um, and uh, where yeah. is it in Niagara Falls? Right in Niagara Falls. Oh, it is in Niagara Falls. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just there, about to ask if it's open. Yeah, right I was just now. about to ask if it's rotting. open, and <laughs> I don't want to hear the answer, so I didn't even ask. Like I paused because I'm like, yeah. oh, is it open right now? And I know the answer to it, so I'm just like, Jesus. It's okay. Um, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. We got good students yeah. that are supporting us. Well, it's so. definitely not essential to be able to defend yourself or take care of yourself physically to be healthy. Or that's be not. Healthy, that's right. not essential right or now. Or to so. exercise. Yeah. No, that's not essential. Not essential. But I was able to go buy cake, a cake, and some cookies the other day at my local sweet shop. Yeah, and sitting in front of your TV for hours. Hours, eating the cakes and cookies yeah. essential that's essential guys we said we weren't going to do this yeah 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 no. <laughs> agreed um we'll get back ah, to it. screw it we should do it no, no, start over start back to it. but uh and the url for the brazilian jiu-jitsu pasadorbjj.com so if at the end of this talk anyone still wants to reach out to me or talk to me go through pasadorbjj.com that's the best way even if it's unrelated to jiu-jitsu because uh, they come right to my phone you want to talk introduce yourself network with me i you know what Never refuse a meeting. A huge, huge, I mean, maybe I said it last time when I was on the show, but words to live by. Don't ever say no to a meeting. You never know what a connection with someone else is going to bring. Well, you're just an interesting guy because you got the BJJ stuff. You have, you, you know, there's the wine app, which is like probably on hold now or, or yeah. whatever. But you have then this podcast, the fishing podcast. We're go you're going to start a new podcast called, am I allowed to talk about this yet or no? I, I would love it if you would. Oh, sure. yeah. Always be choking. Always be All, choking. And so the idea with this podcast is what? Uh, male, uh, well, I'm female, I suppose, but lifestyle. And so, um, it sounds like it's a jujitsu, jujitsu podcast, but it's not, um, always be choking is a phrase that I borrowed with permission from my good friend, Chris Howder. Chris is one of the first 12 American black belts in history. Chris is hired to go all over the world and teach seminars. He's an absolute legend and a, just a wicked mind, really great thinker. And, um, that's his phrase, always be choking. And basically it means when you're wrestling with someone, if you're dictating, they're defending, and you're not defending. So that's how you go to the goal, right? That's how you achieve that goal. And he adapted that from Glengarry Glenn Ross, always be closing the amazing scene with Alec Baldwin, ABC, always be closing, which is, you know, something that if you're in sales, it's you got to live by that. Every second and everything you say has always got to be pointed to the close. 
Uh, and so, you know what? I started thinking about the phrase. I started thinking about, you know, other things I do. And it's like you always have to have your eye on, on your goal and you always have to be 100% working towards it. And so that's why I called it that. Um, we had our first interview uh, with Chris, who was the inaugural guest, recorded and in the books and uh, will be released uh, early February. So if anyone's interested at all, we're going to talk about, you know, finance. We're going to talk about lifestyle, hunting, fishing, training, all sorts of things. And um, that those episodes will go live uh, starting in February. So right now we're just building a little bit of a, a library, but we're, we're really close to launching this. So. You said he's a great thinker. Why are some of the best BJJ guys? Because uh, George St. Pierre's guy in New York, whatever Faraz. Faraz well, and Donahue. Donahue, Donahue. I always feel like these guys are great thinkers as well. Like why are the top guys, Is it, I guess it's that intricate of a, of a thing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that it's just kind of these great thinkers come out of this sport? No, I don't, I don't think that's it at all. I, I've, I know a lot of top guys who are like, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, so you just get, every once in a while you get one of these guys. Um, yeah, I mean, Danaher is, I believe, a PhD. Like, John's a, when he was walked when, in a smart guy. Yeah, when I've heard him speak before, I'm like, wow, this you can see that you can just feel that there's something behind it. There's I thought, can't even listen right? to him talk. I'm just <laughs> and then you grab the bubba yeah. strangulation. Like he has all these different he doesn't call it choke, he calls it strangulation. Like I I find myself Murder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So but he's he's guy's a genius, right? So but I think he walked in a genius. And uh, I think Chris is a, a just a well studied guy and very well perspective and well traveled. And he's a smart guy who happens to train, and, and he's successful. So I don't, I don't think that's a characteristic of, of, of a successful jujitsu guy. I think it's just a good. He's a good, solid human. And is that, that's is what he it is. the guy you learned from? No. Oh, okay. Who no. did you learn from again? Well, at what stage, right? I, I started at the Gracie Academy in Torrance, California, in 1994 ish, and um, you know it's funny when when this was. I the only thing I have right now for always be choking is a Facebook page, and there's only a hundred, a couple hundred people on there. And I don't know how it got out, but one of the the very first Brazilian jiu-jitsu student in America reached out to me. His name is Richard Bresler, and he's going to come on the show. So it was really neat to get uh, contacted by Richard. Um, I was introduced to him in the early days, but by no means do I know him, and or I'm sure he doesn't even remember me. But uh, this was walking around the Gracie Academy in the 90s and early 20s when Hoist and Horium were teaching. That was my first school. That was my first couple of promotions. And then uh, my teacher now, uh, um, Mario Ashviha, is uh, one of the founders of Braza team. So it's one of the major teams. And uh, he took me from purple to black uh, and beyond. But I've had a lot of teachers along the way, right? Like Chris comes to my school and does seminars. And, and so you, you're, you're, you're a quilt. You know, you have your instructor, but you're learning all over the place from everybody. So that's how that works. Nick, before we started, I was telling Frank about when our father got his brown belt and he started sparring at Mississauga in that oh, school. Yeah. What was the name of that karate school on Dundas, just <laughs> east of Dixie and Mississauga? I forget. But anyway, he was sparring, but he would never hold back. So I think he would actually like punch people and maybe even possibly hurt them. I don't know. But his car would always be keyed up and he'd have broken windows because I guess after the sparring sessions, these guys are like, listen, that's dude, crazy. like you don't do this in a sparring session. But you know, our father, he can't, doesn't really hold back too well. And his English isn't the greatest. So I'm sure they were breaking his car windows. So he would come home and we're like, Dad, like, what, what did you do now? Yeah. And he was so disappointed that he couldn't get his black belt because there was like a small written component. Right. And he, his English is, you know, he can't really pass an English test. So he's always stuck at this brown belt level. So I think it was a sense of weird pride that he was like, I showed the black belt guy, like who, yeah. who was boss in these sparring yeah. sessions or whatever. I'm not, I'm not condoning any of that. Or I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm trying to explain who our father is. 
You don't have to explain it to me because I train a lot of, not a lot, but a few Croatian dudes. And um, I don't, I'm not trying to lump you in, but a few Serbian dudes too. And they're all super hardcore guys, like just it's war intensity oh god intensity, intensity is an understatement when we go animals. yeah when we talk to our cousins over over in Croatia it's just so intense the conversations are just so yeah. intense yeah. you think they're arguing but they're literally just <laughs> communicating anyway so always be choking that's a, that's really cool that you're up to I want to transition go to the Facebook page if anyone's interested uh, uh, that's the only thing we have right now because website and logo is we're just finishing creation for those two things so if you want to be uh, a part of the first episode or subsequent episodes go follow that Facebook I hate telling people to use Facebook these days I hate it and i'm sorry so many but people are jumping off it too i find i wish i could i just i'm so tied to it with, with my businesses i just i wish i could <laughs> so you see the pain in your face yeah, about you it you really yeah. want to jump off <laughs> i do yeah. like i i'm i, I like, deleted whatsapp two to three three days ago i'm off of whatsapp i'm just on telegram and signal now but so. why whatsapp but whatsapp is because the terms really... of service coming in on february it's one guy actually it was they delayed they delayed this terms of services because of the because of all the, the pushback against it they were losing a lot of people yeah, oh, yeah. really yeah so they delayed it they're going to delay it and try to re-release it in a different way. I don't know. Okay. It, and it was someone who was on this podcast. It was an IT securities, Vaughn. He was saying just, um, he, he was saying to Marco, another guy who's been on the podcast here, a friend of ours, just that the terms of service is going to give them such ability to get access to your phone that it's now like at an unprecedented level. And I haven't researched it beyond that. I just trust him. Yikes. And I thought, okay. okay, you know what? That's yeah. the last straw for me. I don't really need more people looking through my things because I'm convinced everyone's reading my Gmail. Email. Right. You know, like I'm convinced that every anyone who wants to can get into any of our stuff. Yeah. So I moved over to Telegram, deleted WhatsApp. And you know what felt kind of good? The only thing left on Facebook for us at this point is the Facebook VIP group for Rockstar. And once we, we're going to start a Telegram group for that, and maybe we transition longer term and we're done with Facebook entirely. Because I'll just delete my Facebook account at that point. I haven't been on social media for years. I, I do go on occasionally for the Facebook VIP group and, you know, that. But outside of that, I, I've Instagram, Facebook, it's been now a couple of years, took myself completely off. And I, I, I found that whenever I went down the rabbit hole on social media, I just was not even in good mood afterwards. So I just took myself off and life is life got better. I'm like, I'm done. So. I think your podcast, your podcast is going to allow you to do that because I think the podcast, the always be choking podcast that you're going to start doing, yeah. that's going to be such a lead generator for your business that it'll somehow transition and it's harder to mute it because anyone who's interested in what Frank has to say mm -hmm. is always going to be a, find a way to get that podcast because you're going to be able to distribute this podcast. No, you're going to be able to distribute Unless the I'm on a server held by someone no, who no, doesn't I, like my message. No, right? I agree. No, I agree. But if iTunes, let's say, shuts you off, right? then there's a website somewhere in the world that you can get a server on and put a link to the MP3s of this. Blockchain? Yeah, but, maybe the blockchain. No, but the maybe. But, but, but really, it is much think, harder to distribute, though. It's harder, it, it but I'm saying if somebody doesn't like Frank's Facebook page, Facebook then can just shut it down. Yeah. Whereas, I've been in Facebook jail a lot this year. I spent a lot, I've done a lot of time. <laughs> I've done some hard time. I've done some hard time. It's funny on Twitter when anyone gets punished by Twitter and they're like, I'm just out of my 24-hour quarantine on Twitter. Have you yeah, seen that? Because yeah. I guess you say something wrong and right. you get like shut down for yeah. 48 hours. The term and gets they're like, pro I'm, progressively long. I'm, I think over the last 12 months, a lot of people have been shut off social of media. Do doctors with scientific facts have been shut down. Remember, we said we're not. No, no, I'm not going down that path. But I'm just saying some people came out with facts early. And then the mm. one, the, it, what's interesting is even the World Health Organization changed. Their, they've changed their story so many times, right? This is, we don't have to, this is an argument. They've changed it. This is very clear. And then when 
Um, but then those people, like they still can't go back on, even though they were right and they've been proven right now. They, you know what I mean? Yeah, like and, it's so, and no one, one goes back and he's like, oh shit, we really screwed that up. Right. We shouldn't have banned those guys. Those doctors out of whatever, you know, California, let's say that the early ones that got banned, they were, they were right, actually saying yeah. that they were actually accurate in what they're saying because but now the world health organization is saying it should we go back and say hey you know that video we removed of sorry about that can we put that back on because you guys are actually sharing good data right. you know now you know even if you go back to their logic saying the world health organization has to say it or you can't say it but people are living headline to headline right now yeah. and this is the product of what we're seeing we're all on the edge of our seats for that one headline that's going to make things a little more normal and so nothing that happened a month ago even matters to most yeah. people yeah, yeah right right it's everyone's we've turned into goldfish everyone's goldfish it's moment to moment what happened a minute ago doesn't even matter anymore it's it's amazing no that's a good way it's a great social experiment like like if you take (laughs) if you take all the emotion out of it and you look at it just just um you know um uh, 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 the word I'm, I'm, I'm i can't get the word but if you just kind of impartial so if you look at it impartially you take all the emotion out of it it's a great social experiment like it's astonishing Yes. Someone an astonishing social someone experiment. Someone 10, 15, 20 years from now is going to write like the most amazing research report on this era. You know, 20, let's call it 2020 to 2024. Because I, I really don't think, I think we have more weirdness ahead of us. Whether I, it's a recession, you know, whether it's like mm-hmm. an economic thing. It's like yeah. this little phase that we're in here, I don't, it doesn't feel like we're through it. I fully disagree. You do? Completely disagree. And here's why. And I used to think that. I'm like, it's going to happen. No. Because if you look back over time, the economic recession. Well, no, no, sorry, not the economic recession. Oh. Sorry, that someone's going to look back in, in in fifteen to twenty years and write some sort of report about all this. And the reason there's not going to be a, a, a like an accurate report is because there's too many players that would have to admit that perhaps we'll see, we'll see, you know, we're, but perhaps they weren't as right as they thought at the time. And there was going to be but a lot of people. Someone can report on that. I don't think it's going to happen. Look at all other times when it's like, oh yeah, these people really screwed up. Let's all out in the open in a public mainstream media manner. Everyone's like, okay, this report's been released. It shows that everyone's kind of screwed things up. They're never going to come. The Iraq war. Look at the Iraq war. Yeah. They, yeah. No one, they still there's don't n- talk about it. Yeah. Most people still think there was weapons of mass destruction. Okay. Because no Colin Powell sat at the yep. UN and said okay. there okay. were. So it's no crazy. So then maybe my, yeah. my idea of five to 10 years, someone writing the report might be more like 75 to 100 years. Then yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take longer for someone to reflect back. What I, want, what I wanted to get your guys' thoughts, and Frank, specifically you, is that we were talking about real estate yeah. and the economy. And if you have a, let me let you summer, you know, yeah, paint, the, paint the picture. Yeah. We don't have to talk about a specific situation. Yeah, but sure. just No, we were, I, I was just asking you about, you know, we have uh, my partner and I, we invest together and we have some, some properties as a, as a result of our, our association with Rockstar. And, and, you know, we're really thankful for that. Um, you know, but some of them are in good standing and some of them are leveraged and it's like, you know, this is leveraged to the tune of a few hundred thousand dollars and I'm not optimistic about the economic conditions in front of us. And, you know, how do you judge whether or not you cut and run and sell now while the market is still intact or risk being underwater with a mortgage that's leveraged? I mean, I don't know. Cause you're not it- underwater now, but if there's a real estate correction, you're thinking you'd be underwater on this property. I, I really don't know. And I really was looking, <laughs> looking for some guidance on that because I don't, I don't know where that level of comfort is. If you're exposed to the tune of two hundred thousand, to one hundred thousand, to fifty thousand, to four hundred thousand, where is that comfort line as an investor where you can say I'm going to weather the storm, or oh my God, you know, there's going to be a massive correction that's going to bring me backwards on this investment, and I don't know what the answer is. So for us, it's always been what is your 
confidence in the income component of the property. So it's never been about, you know, a, a dollar figure or even a percentage on the leverage. It's more been, so, you know, what I mean by that is if you had like a 90%, 10% down and 90% loan to value, it's more how, how secure do you feel on the quality of the income stream? And if the income stream is at risk, and you have a property then that you feel is more leveraged than you have comfort with, mm -hmm. yeah, you gotta consider selling that property. I think it's bulletproof. I, I think we the can income's the bulletproof. Of, I do. Super highly sought after area. Super rare in terms of uh, you know being able to have an affordable rental. As things get uh, diminished in, in the economic integrity of our system, more renters are likely to pop up anyways and be looking for rental properties. So I think it's sound in terms of breaking even, and this is an area that appreciates in normal times and will again, after a downturn cycle turns upward, will continue to appreciate beyond our, our, our purchase price. So in your worst case scenario, you think the rent that you would generate in, the, in a worst economic situation would still be enough to cover the payments on the property? Yeah, if rental values are similar to what they are now, uh, yeah, I do. The question is, if there's a disaster, our, our rental price is going to plummet as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all our research. Sorry, Nick, were you going to say this? No, go ahead. You're uh, going to say the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say all our research into this. And, and I think the best example would be Rob, Rob Minton in Ohio, whereas the east side of Cleveland had the biggest fall that we saw from directly somebody that we, we know, knew from direct that we experience, knew direct yeah, experience yeah. was 65%. 65% drop in property prices, which is absolutely massive. As, that's astronomical, right? And he can confirm that rents didn't change. Rents, even there on the east side of Cleveland, which I wouldn't call the most like economic hot, it's not the biggest economic hotbed of America or something like that. When you like say the, not the biggest economic hotbed, that's that's a very kind way of <laughs> yeah, explaining yeah. it. <laughs> It's not like the yeah. There's some beautiful parts in. Around I'm not Cleveland, saying it's a, so. a terrible area, yeah. but I just don't see it as as a booming economy there. No, you're yeah. absolutely yeah. right. And the rents not only stayed solid. You know, how, you realize how quiet I'm being when we're trying to throw kudos to Ohio. <laughs> sitting here, I've, I've I've been all through that state. Yeah, have you? Okay. <laughs> um, the uh, the the rents stayed solid, and shortly after the the 65 percent drop, rents started creeping up even wow. because. There was more demand. Rent, listen, the property prices decreased because of an event. The event was banks weren't lending. Right. But that didn't change the fact that people needed a house to live. Exactly. And because of that, not only did rent stay stable, he had better quality tenants showing up at the door, not worse quality tenants. Right. So he was very confident in the... Because well, those people couldn't get financing. But before... Anyone could get financing. Right. If you could fog a mirror, you could get financing. Right. But then after, I remember. yeah. So then afterwards, they couldn't get financing. So then you were able to. It was harder to get. You were able to choose. And we've seen the same thing here. When mortgage rules have tightened, the increase for rentals goes up, and work and rents rise. And then we're also seeing being able to select people, select people, seeing number of investors. Right. And we've seen that just the, the few times they've tightened mortgage lending rules around here. So the flaws yeah. in our argument would be if there's a if there's an area, a small geographic area of concern, like downtown Toronto during COVID, people scatter through the condo market, out of the condo market, rent prices do come down in that kind of environment. But mm -hmm. that's not a real estate specific thing. That's more we're in a pandemic. I don't like living here. I'm going to bigger space. You think I that's what's to, happening? I want to go. Out you think that's what's happening in Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. OK. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then. Uh, and then, and so people are scattering, scattering out of the city. So that's not like a real estate thing. That's more a pandemic is causing a geographic change of acceptance of a certain area. It's yeah, right. driving people out. 
Will that return? Actually, Mike on our team just yesterday said it's the freakiest thing. Just yesterday for the first time. So what are we now? Mid-January 2021? He said for the first time, he's taking some people back into Toronto mm-hmm. just because the prices in the outskirts have gone so well, crazy. Invent- he's starting to... Some people are like, you know what? Let me take a look at some things that I wasn't yeah. looking at. Inventory, condo inventory in Toronto is starting to drop again. And I, I don't really? know over the last couple of weeks, but, but t- trending to... Glad to hear that. I'm invested. Yeah, so I'm invested in the Toronto con- not in a, Not in a rapid way, but, no, no. But, it, but the trend line, that was towards the end of last year. I don't know what it is in January. I haven't actually looked over the last couple of weeks. I will need to for, for the presentation in, in February. But um, So you, we're seeing that. But to your point, about people leaving and, and mm-hmm. talking to what you were saying yeah it's, it was people leaving and it was a it was a double whammy because airbnbs were they were outlawed then they they flooded the market so at the same time as people were leaving airbnbs were outlawed, so we lost the tourism as well mm-hmm. so all those units came on the market as well so those the higher airbnb buildings like the ones right by um what's it called now scorcher bank arena and stuff like that those the, the the number of units that came on the market there it just exploded right so those ones softened that core area of the market softened greatly whereas if you looked at other areas outskirtsly if you looked at the tobacco area in the condo market wasn't nearly as soft mm. as the toronto area that makes a lot of sense right so yeah. it was it was pocket to pocket so even the toronto market you can't even look at the toronto condo market as a whole Really? No, you can't. And even rentals.ca actually put out some of those stats that on three-bedroom condos, which are more rare, rents are actually, I want to say stable or slightly up. That was the same. That was all through last year, I think. Yeah. So that's interesting. And their conclusion, and I think it's similar to ours, is that people were looking for more space because if you're working from home, you do Mm -hmm. need that office. Or you do, you know, the the one-bedroom or the bachelor-type condo is just not enough. And the three-bedrooms are a little more yeah. attractive, and to which, what, which to me is just, that's a lifestyle change. Yeah, and to what Tom was saying before with people, some people were leaving the city. The reason, they they weren't necessarily leaving the city because they're like, oh, I don't want to be in Toronto anymore. They were leaving the city because we know Mike's in here. He worked with one couple trying to, uh, I think they ended up getting the property in Oakville, but they were working from home in a condo. Mm. It was, uh, I don't know if they were married, but it was just the two of them. And everything was fine when they were going to their jobs afterwards. But in that condo, when they were working full time with each other there, they're like, look, it's we need more space. Yeah. And because of that, to yeah. get the more space, they figured they would move to a suburb to get the more space because the prices in the suburb for the more space was still cheaper than Toronto. Yeah, have right? they're, they're out of their, they're out of their, their office and the need to be in the city but they they're leaving the city anyways because being forced into a small space yeah. is just something mentally that's not appealing to them. So we'll, we'll we'll see. But I guess to bring it all home, then everything we've seen in a real in a recession would say rents stay the same. Now the other thing to think about yeah, is that doesn't mean for all categories of homes. So luxury homes, mm-hmm. this that's we're true. not talking about that. We're not saying that the. 5,000 square foot home that's renting out for 7,500 a month or whatever, those ones definitely can change. We're talking about like the starter home category. Mm-hmm. There's always mm-hmm. demand. And from what we've seen, right. you know, we stay, we say stay the same, but what we mean by that is there's no significant move mm-hmm. because even in Ohio, there was a slight, they, you know, his guess was might've been a 5% drop, temporarily drop, and then it started increasing. But, you know, to, it just, it's not like they're like, it was a thousand bucks yesterday. It's a thousand bucks today. You know, there are things okay. move just to be clear to people, but it's just nothing that's really a significant number right. from what we've seen. It's nothing you can't manage or ride out. So then it comes down to then are you willing to ride through that if your property value, the one you're describing, mm-hmm. if it comes down in value for a period of like, if you're thinking thinking there's a big economic crisis ahead and it comes down in value for two years, are you willing to have that? Is, is, or are you thinking five or seven years? And does it match with your goals? Because if it's coming down, because a part of me will say, okay, 
economic devastation ahead. Let's let's say, you know, everything's got to come down in price. What would be the reason that it comes down in price? It's not going to be the population growth because that's happening here. Mm-hmm. That's still, we still got 180,000 immigrants last year, even with our borders, quote unquote, closed. Right. So we have the population growth. Interest rates seem to be low. So wh- what is going to be the threat? The threat would be banks don't want to lend. So there's some credit contagion and the banks all kind of shut down. That's our threat. So, so then we got to think about, well, the bank, the government and central banks aren't going to let that. Or continue. interest rates rising. Which is the same for, to me, I'm lumping that all in the same. And the credit market crumbles and interest rates spike up. Um, The central banks aren't going to allow that to to last. So their policy response to that is going to be so flushing so, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing here, to flush so much money back into the system to fix that problem, then then don't you want to be holding assets and there might be a six month or one year or 18 month window that it takes them to do that. But in that type of environment, Maybe you still want to hold on to the asset. Hundred for me, hundred percent. So then it just becomes well. If you feel like the income's strong, then and you're willing to last through a possible eighteen month kind of dip until the policy response corrects the dip. Why would you sell it? I think a lot of the listeners are are willing to stay on board too because we're here with you guys and with Rockstar and and we're all of reasonably equal mind. But we're all like we're we all. I think we all came to you for our retirement plays. And then you guys made us realize that it doesn't have to be about your retirement. If you're smart about things, you can improve your life now and make those make those changes you always wanted to make your life, your terms now. And that's exactly what happened to me. So to me, I mean, and along the way, I pick up projects, I pick up jobs, I pick up things that are happening. You know, if you always go to meetings and you're always networking with people, you're going to you're going to find a way to hustle and, and create new income streams for yourself. But I always mean, be choking, always be choking. But I mean, this was always a retirement play for me. So if you're talking a two, three year bump, you know, bumpiness, as long as it's not something that's really bleeding cash from your reserves. Um, so that's I, where, I signed up for this. So that's where you're coming from. You're thinking, OK, if it's five, six, seven years, do I want to hold it? Only because of my age. Yeah. Right. But the ultimately, again, this is a property that I'm talking about for me that we actually rent out as an Airbnb. And so it's um, out of Toronto. Uh, no, not out of Toronto. Oh, this one's in Toronto. No, we're not uh, out of Toronto. So outside sorry, of Toronto. sorry, yes, outside yes, of, of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so it's like, you know, in the good times, it's good times. And sorry, not even good times. In normal times, it's good times. And as we pay that mortgage down or as our tenants pay that mortgage down, um, the return gets greater and greater. So when I'm an old man, I'm going to enjoy a beautiful income stream from this. So that's always been my goal. And it still is my goal. The question is, is a short term pain going to be too painful and I, th- I i don't think it is based on what you guys are saying i don't think so i can't even I, like f- from the airbnb side of things if it's a, a property that's in demand for that type of, of of thing i think the demand for that once the government allows it yeah. is going to jump and 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 it's it's very easy to almost say that with certainty because you've already seen it like what was happening this winter let's say um with with airbnbs before they went into this lockdown again mm-hmm. they were Booking up like crazy. Like if I you booked go around, a ton of them. Yeah. Myself. Like, yeah, I traveled. Ev- everyone's trying to get the hell. They're like, I just want anything to do. That's it. And the people that don't want to go internationally, because there are going to be a segment of those people, they might want to stay local. So there's going to be just as much, if not more right. demand, I, I think. I don't know. I think so. And I would argue, too, that you're still going to have people when, you know, the vaccine is here and all this stuff are, are that are still going to be a little weird. Mm. They're not going to want to go to the giant hotel. They're going to want the intimacy of a room where they're staying with their wife. 
Yeah, hundred percent. That's know, actually a they good can point. control that's a good point, right? And I think that that makes me bullish on on Airbnbs, even though towns are getting funny with the every town is having the same problem with Airbnb, right? The locals are like, oh, we don't want these people. Um, but I mean, I think. <laughs> can I you think, explain to us again what the towns are do, what the locals are doing? Well, is that, the, is that the voice they use? <laughs> boom, 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 the war drums. But no, some people don't like their neighbor having constant ins and outs, and I mean, some people just don't have anything better to do. Let's face it. But there's a lot of community pushback, whether it's parties and this, this, and that. Uh, I'm in a location where there are no parties. Like these are, we're, we're renting to good people. We're in, in a wine district. It's, you know, it's intimate. It's not a big place where you're not getting eight guys come with their buddies for a, a, a frat house party. Um, but, uh, you know, the, some of the communities are pushing back because they don't like t- the traffic, the noise, the hustle, the bustle. And, um, and so towns are, are starting to issue regulations, and ours is too. But I, I just don't I, I just don't see them defeating the market. There's just Airbnb is just too much of a market, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking. I don't know. No, no I, I think I, they I think, need it. I think Frank could sell if he can't. If you can't sleep at night multiple times thinking about this property, I think sometimes there's just a property you need to sell. I'm not there for no, no, no. But I'm if you there. did get to that point, if sure. you got to that point where it's like, you know what? It's been a couple of weeks. I keep th- like I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking about this thing. Sometimes I agree with like. Yeah, sell that property. Yeah, because the peace of mind, like Nick, we've emotionally wanted to sell properties before when we've had an unexpected vacancy or something. We're like, shit, sell that. Yeah, but that's property. short. That's short. Sure. Ter- that's short but, term. But usually, you get through that, that, and that's what I'm saying. If Frank goes through two weeks of waking up saying, "I can't deal with that property," maybe you have to sell it. Or if there's greater return elsewhere, like if there is a business opportunity somewhere here, like let's say the Always Be Choking podcast requires a cash influx. Yeah, to well, that's do a whole different conversation. A whole different. I understand, but I'm I'm saying then. But to the problem, to the waking up with the problem, because that that is right to a point. But sometimes I think, and this doesn't really go to you, Frank, because I just know how you're just kind of hammered. We put your head down and just blast through stuff anyways. But I just think for some people, if you you use that logic, then some people are going to, they always have a problem. And whatever their biggest problem is at that point is going to be continually the one that's on their mind. And sometimes you just need bigger problems. Right, because if your problem was that, and the thing is like it's generating income and it's paying for itself, and yeah, you have to get your hands dirty because you're moving a washing machine. You know, I know you were saying that jokingly, right? <laughs> yeah, but I just mean, sort of. like, but for some people, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for for that type of thing, some people just need a bigger problem. And if you don't have a bigger problem, then you're always going to have a problem. Life is full of problems. So then you're whatever, even if it's a tiny problem, that's going to be your biggest one. Then you just got to get rid of that. No, go find a bigger problem. Just those are the small that's things you have to deal with. That's a great point. That is such a great point. I think everyone at the same time can is, is nodding their head at this because we all thought we had problems before March of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Right. We all, oh, this, this and that. I, I remember like some of my biggest problems were like, I've got too many people in my gym. Like, how am I going to fit? I got to get a second location. I have too many people. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah, now your problem's like, how do I get anyone in the damn gym because I'm not allowed to, right? Honestly, honestly, throughout all this, there has been a tremendous uh, demand for what I'm doing. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. It's crazy. I believe it's probably increased. I probably turned away 30, 40 people in the last uh, three, four months. That just hurts my soul to hear that, that you have to turn them away though. Because people are looking for something to do, you think? They just are well, yeah, sure. I mean, they're, they're, whether they're sick of being cooped up or whether they don't buy into the social narrative right now or for whatever reason, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of young kids looking at the stats going, I, like, I, I'm seeing it more important for me to be exercising now than to not. Oh yeah, well I was down. I was dealing with some university kids because I've been a few diff, dealing with a few student properties the last few weeks, and um, 
and uh, you know, as my own social experiment, I'm kind of asking them. I'm like, okay, so let's see what their opinions of all this stuff is. Mm. And the vast majority of them are just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just doing this stuff because I have to. And they're, yeah. they're, like, they just don't. Yeah. Well, Brock, just beyond Brock, it. They don't Brock care. just came out with their announcement. Did you send that to me or someone else? Brock, uh, I did see it. Yeah, someone yeah. might have put it in. A, in Saying the group we're chat. preparing to be fully on campus in uh, fall of 2021, and here's what we're doing. Well, yeah, because there's a awesome. revenue decline. Awesome. Just yeah. think if they if if the university's, I know university's got like a McMaster said don't come on campus for this year if they do that multiple years in a row how are they not replaced by YouTube yeah that's like, exactly what's going to happen as a business decision thinking because what do they offer like they, they offer there is the education but there's education everywhere now MIT right? we, can go to, we can go to MIT right now it, it, for free so the, yeah so there's all this stuff mm-hmm. and then so the what they offer and what like Aiden wants to get out and go and live with his friends in a universe in their own house out of res now and stuff mm-hmm. they're offering that experience that's what they're the, that's a major draw to university people get out of their house of and they kind of it's the next level they take that away from universities it's a very big problem for their business model but Nick that's an important component of just social development is yeah. mo- moving first of all moving into the dorm and then moving out of the dorm and that's your first taste of real life adulthood and and for our social construct that's that's extremely important and we're take you know we do, we don't want to take these things away i agree know? like how big was your when you were in high school how big was your world? You thought you knew some people in high school. You knew people from like a, a few people from another high school. Sure. So you're like, oh yeah, that guy knows a lot of people. You know people from the, that high school too, yeah, right? Yeah. You're like the big shot. So your world was what is it? I don't know, ten blocks, twelve, maybe it's twenty blocks wide, yeah. right? And then you go to university all of a sudden. You're like, holy crap, my world then that yeah. I thought was my world was tiny. Yeah. It, it, like just it opens up everything. Yeah, you're in small fish in a yeah. big pond now. But if you're hiding in your basement taking video courses, what the hell? The 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 the, the, just the detriment is. Like just it's crazy. It's way bigger than just the actual education. The 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 challenge of learning by staring at your computer screen for hours on end and watching videos. Right. It, it makes me wonder about the opportunities out there right now. Maybe not so much in real estate, but you know, Uncle Warren says, "Be brave when others are fearful." Warren Buffett, right? I worked for him for about six months, and uh, be brave when others are fearful. And in, in what capacity did you work for him? Um, one of the companies that I helped build was purchased by Berkshire. And so my, my bosses and everything were in Georgia and we were down in Georgia all the time working with them. And I mean, I never, I wasn't really working under Did you buy him an ice cream sundae at that diner he goes to? <laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't. I, uh, I was actually trying to get fired from that job because I had an offer for partnership at a new venture. And I'm like, look, I'm not, I had years into this and I'm like, I'm not walking away from the You need security. to write a book. I want to read your book. <laughs> I want to read the, let, let me finish the story. Okay. So... <laughs> So I'm like, this is horrible. God, everyone's gonna, no one's gonna want to do any business with me. But I, I had a really good offer for. Partnership. I like how that's not stopping you from sharing the story. Continue, I don't care. continue. I don't give a shit anymore. But uh, so I, but I said to the the partner that was trying to woo me, like I have all these years in the security with my severance, and and he's like, okay, well, let's give it a couple months and. You know, maybe don't do such a good job. So I really didn't do a good job. Like we were sleeping in our desks and all sorts of stuff and just trying to, I ended up getting a raise. So <laughs> I don't know. I said to the guy, I called him. I'm like, Life I'm sorry, lessons, man. my friend. I just got a huge raise. I don't know how it happened. And, uh, you know, going and getting drunk at lunch and all this stuff. And so uh, anyways, we made a deal and, and life moved on. But I mean, the, the takeaway I got from listening to their philosophies, <laughs> be brave when others are fearful. And uh, you know what? Maybe we're overthinking this COVID thing and maybe it's going to pass in a, a month or a year or two years, which in the grand scheme of things is really nothing. And maybe we should be paying attention more to the opportunities rather than crying in our soup right now. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's one way to, yeah, it, it's a definitely a way to look at it. The, the challenge with that whole thing to me is is these, is the, when the government comes and says, well, tough, stay home. You know, and they're like, all these things can't open. That That's where even with that, yeah. with that, um, with that attitude, it, yeah. it, it still, it makes it way, substantially more difficult. It does. Did you see the story the other day of the, the lady that, uh, in St. Catharines? Did you see this? Oh, geez. She opened, awesome. She, she, she's a barber. She had a barber shop. She opened up as a uh, production studio and she said people are coming in. So she set up a camera and, uh, and mics and she has the signage saying recording in, in progress. Please don't disturb. And she said they're coming in to audition for podcasts or parts in future things. And she set up as a, as a movie studio or as like a film yeah. production studio because those are essential allowed to open and barbers aren't. So she's like, that's what I'm doing. Everyone coming here is actually auditioning for a spot. So no way. So they're yeah. under. So so has it, she been shut down yet? It was on. No. It was. It, it hit like I, I think it hit like CTV, and then some of the someone from the city, you know, said, "Well, we're going to be looking into it and stuff." So I'm sure she will be. But um, I was like, you know what? Good for her, man. She found the loophole. It, it it is what it is. Like that's she's just she's playing by the rules. She bought all the equipment and set it up properly. And I'm like, that well, that's gives what me she such wants confidence in humans. Yeah. Like humans are always just going to find a way. But there's a percentage of people out there, and some listening to this thinks that she is the devil for doing that. No, agreed. Right? So, and I think, sure, but but I think you're allowed to have that thought. You're yeah. allowed like, to I have that opinion. In, and, yeah. I want to live in a world where everybody can have their opinion. Like, that's fine. Well, you don't. Yeah. Got bad news for you, honey, because you don't. Well, yeah, all right. Um, I mean, this is, to me, honestly, and I told you, Tom, before I came in here, uh, I'm sorry, the gentleman's name, Jeff, for the Bitcoin episode. Oh, Greg Foss. Oh, no, Jeff Booth. Jeff, Jeff Booth. I listened to Jeff first, but I, I have friends that are always like, did you listen to this rock car? And I'm like, look, I don't listen to the rock car podcast a lot. And it's not because I don't love you guys. It's because every time I listen to you guys, I make a major life change. And I'm, I'm a lot lazier than that. I'm not always ready to upend my life. And I'm like, you know, I've been talking about with crypto, with, with guys on the internet and a lot, like over the last 10 years, following it closely. And I'm just not that guy. And I'm like, I don't want to listen to this episode. I don't want to listen to this episode. And I listen to that episode. I'm like, damn. You know, and it's like I, I want to make a, a life change. And then... And then I look at all the, and I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but a lot of, um, like the, 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 the parlor and the Twitter, the purges and all that stuff. And it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what side of the spectrum you're on. It's when you have centralized authority, like wealthy technocrats making decisions about taking your voice away. It bothers me. And uh, so I was really interested in, in crypto and blockchain because I see that sort of as the future path towards freedom for a lot of different things because blockchain can be used for any sort of information exchange which really really appeals to me and um so i mean that got me really thinking about uh you know moving moving investments there and, and thinking just thinking about a future where maybe we can decentralize information now and uh, it really, that episode really, and then I listened to Greg's episode and it's really changed me. And, and some of my questions about real estate, you know, I'm always thinking, you know, should I be investing more in cryptocurrencies or, you know, because I really see that as, as the key to freedom. But, you know, is that, like I said, I, I said in a, in a, I don't even know who I was talking to the other day, but, um, you know, the internet, the advent of the internet 20 years ago or 25 or whatever it was, was built as total freedom, you know, freedom of information. And you can talk to Nick whenever you need to. And you and Tom can talk about whatever deviant stuff you want to talk about. It's fine. Deviant. We're not. We're well, well, if you're deviants, right? I'm not saying Tom Karadz. I just said a guy named Tom. And so in 15. Now we know Frank's real opinion. In, of you. Tw in, 20, 
in 20, 15, 20 short years, you know, it's, it's, it's not that. It's proven itself to be something completely opposite, a tool for censorship and oppression and all that sort of thing. So I'm not sure what my point was starting this rant, but I, no, I'm I think looking you, at you a different like the avenue idea. for... Yeah. yeah, you like the idea that there's options out there. And I think the argument... You know, because I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I think the argument against what you're saying would be that, you know, if we are if we are want a free society, then Twitter, who is privately owned, should be allowed to shut down. But then you should have something like a parlor or whatever be allowed to kind of do what they what they want. I'm going to I'm going to disagree with that because that is a very that's a very common rebuttal to this equation is, you know, they're a business. They can do what they want. Well, they, they, are, they are a monopoly, and yes, they're a business, but they're a new type of business that's popped up and has um, dominated all sorts of your life. So I think I even heard from you guys or somebody that Facebook and Google control 85% of the global ad activity or North American ad. That sounds it like it's probably It doesn't accurate. sound unrealistic, yeah. yeah. yeah doesn't matter what that number is. The, the fact of the matter is... It's a lot. It's a very big it's number. A lot. Yeah, yeah. And it almost doesn't pay to advertise in other ways these days. It certainly doesn't for me. Because when I run ads on Facebook for my, my, my academy, I, I get people. Like, it works. And it's cheap. But look what happens when I go to Facebook jail. I can't market mm-hmm. my business. So anymore. you're you're saying where does the where do these businesses cross the line from being a private uh, business to do what they want to a monopoly or serving something bigger in society where they have to operate by different principles? It's like and I think that's 80s. what we're all. Ta- it's like in the '80s, if you got your phone and your TV taken away from you, or the '70s, because there was no computers, and you got your phone and your TV taken away from you, right? Okay, well, you're screwed. You have no access to no information, and so I, I think that these businesses have evolved to much more than just, you know, that cake maker that didn't want to make that cake. I think this is a whole different equation uh, precipitated by a whole different set of circumstances mm-hmm. in, in a, in a, it's in weird. A it's weird. This is really fascinating, Frank, that you bring this up for sure, because it's, it's something that I've been talking about more with more people. And then someone threw this back at me. So I'd be interested in your thoughts saying, they'd say, well, Tom, if you are thinking, or we're discussing that, that then anyone should be allowed on this podcast on the Your Life, Your Terms podcast. Because in your thinking on Twitter, you know, if anyone's allowed to say anything and the mm-hmm. private organization that owns it mm-hmm. can't really dictate it, well, then where do you draw the line? Well, they are because allowed on the podcast. They're just not allowed in our office to do yeah, the podcast. No, but, but then there's <laughs> like, where do you draw the line? Because then does that mean anyone who wants to say anything they want is allowed to come onto your podcast? Why are you different than Twitter? And, and I like to think, well, I don't know. It's like, and, and, well, here, and I know uh, we're opening bigger questions here, but I'm thinking, like, I don't know. It's like our podcast. I just want to talk to people well, I, I think want to talk to. I think, it right. changes, right. It, I think it changes with the size, right? So if you look at mon- if you look at monopolies, and I'm a free market guy, so this is like, so I, I struggle with both sides of this. And I Me look too. at it, right? Yeah. But if you look at what happened, if, if we're going to use some precedents, if you look what happened with Windows, uh, sorry, with Microsoft and Windows. So to that, they're like, okay, so how did they feel about that? Because when Windows started putting Internet Explorer and all their stuff and these other programs, it was an antitrust lawsuit. They were no longer allowed to. So they had to change the rules of what they were doing. But we, but Microsoft wasn't doing anything wrong. They're just like, hey, we're providing a better product by including a web browser, right? By that theory, we're just we're, we, we're just selling Windows. It just it, We've now just now made it better and increased the value to people because we're giving them a web browser. But it was it was they lost the antitrust case because they're like, well, because of that, you're not able to, you know, no one else can compete. But they were so I think the rules changed when this new kind of format came in, this new product, which was this operating I, system. I, I agree, and I agree, and the I, rules and changed. I agree. I think Absolutely. sometimes if you let things play out, that uh, 
these bigger organizations like Twitter, when they make wrong choices, they crumble. And what I mean by that, even without the government acting on Microsoft, Chrome came out and destroyed Internet Explorer. So like the, the government did come out and say, hey, Microsoft, you got to like break this up and stuff. But a few more years later, it almost became irrelevant because mm-hmm. Google came out and just said, oh, there's yeah. Gmail and Chrome. And you just, yeah. and I just wonder if, if Twitter acts the way it acts, if in a year, 18 months from now, a competitor comes up with or without government action right. and just destroys Twitter so that we can't even see yet. There's no question that that's going to happen in my mind because the mistake that these companies are making is people like me, it's not just... Like, okay, you're, I can't talk because I'm in Facebook, whatever. But like my business, our businesses are linked to our social presence. And if you're going to start axing people and not letting them do business, then that's a whole level of we need a new solution. And I think you're going to see a whole disenfranchised giant population going to the new solution. And then human yeah. innovation, it points to me, it points to the blockchain. Human innovation is going to take it to, uh, to a n- new level with the chromes that are going to come out. I mean, we're using that as a metaphor, but that that's going to lead to a whole new set of solutions because some of these guys, these blockchain guys, these crypto guys are scary smart. I mean, you think the Twitter guys are smart. These guys are like whole different levels. Like I don't even understand how smart these guys are. I'm just in awe of it. Right. And so I think, I think freedom is going to find a way. And, and the mistake that these, these sensors are making is that, we can't risk our businesses and, and, and our financial well-being because you don't like who I am. Well, we're already seeing it. Like I was I was waiting for Facebook. I thought Facebook would have dropped off the map a little bit sooner already, to be fair. But it's, the use of Facebook on the everyday person has definitely gone down. I don't know the numbers behind it, but just from at least my social circles talking to people has definitely gone down. Yeah. Instagram obviously went up. So Facebook didn't buy Instagram. They would probably be in a whole world of hurt. They bought WhatsApp too. So they made moves, right? At least to do that. But how long is it Instagram for? And then where I think this is my, the only problem with where I think things are heading, and it's going to go very similar to where media went, is it gets so compartmentalized because right now everyone subscribes to 14 different streaming services and mm-hmm. you, know, you get all this different stuff. And that's where it's going to go with, with this stuff. So if you don't, if Twitter starts shutting people down, there's a certain percent of people are going to go elsewhere. Some people are going to go, Two, two levels further because they want to talk about all stupid stuff that they should never be talking about to be clear. Sure. Like some people, yeah. you know, and and so, and then we're just going to get this this segmented thing so we can't have these open conversations because people with one view are all going to collect in one spot and it's just going to reinforce that view and they're going to be unable to get educated on the other view because they're not in those locations. And I just think things are going to get sliced and diced further and further. So instead of Instagram and Twitter being like these go-to places, it's just going to, con- or TikTok or whatever, it's just going to get sliced and diced based on your beliefs and st- stuff like that further. Almost to how it was before. Um, just offline, mm-hmm. it's going to turn into that online because people are going to be like, "No, you say that, I don't want you here." Cool. I hope you're right. That's. I think that's a really smart way of looking at it. And 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 I I agree with you. I think that's why it becomes more important that there's people in the center of all these arguments, even if you're center right or center left. Who you know, I'm not. And there's more voices like Frank, like mm-hmm. like that are going to share things that you're sharing, and Nick that shares the stuff that we're sharing. I think I think these voices in the middle here, we almost all together have this duty to have these conversations because otherwise you live in a world that you're describing Mm -hmm. where everybody just splinters off to the far. And I think the center becomes more important. And by center, I'm not saying you have to, uh, you know, change your views to accept some things on either side. I just mean 
to be a little bit more rational in the way you're thinking. And I you think can still lean right or lean left. However, we're going to label it. I hate freaking labels. Yeah, I'm really all over the political spectrum. I have. Yeah, I, I, I'm an issue for issue person. Yes. I'm not a, a paradigm, a general paradigmatic man as a political being. So to me, it's very difficult when, you know, when people are always throwing something back to a political paradigm. It's like, no, like. No, it's crazy. It's You're too, an individual. It's anti-productive to talk in terms of that. And it stokes. Are, it, it creates arguments when you take that approach. I think we've, I think we've, as a society, not everyone, obviously, but our society has definitely trended in a way that we're no longer able to have um, uh, emotionless conversations, impartial emotionless conversations, on a grand scale to be able to learn from one another. And I think this is, I think it's a, a very, Absolutely. very bad trend. And sometimes you have to be able to. So I will, to your point, Frank. I will, I will challenge people on the. If we're using labels, right, left, whatever. I just, I challenge people's beliefs both ways because I have some things that lean right, some things that lean left. But I want to learn from other people. Mm -hmm. So when I challenge them, it's not that I'm disagreeing. I'm like, I want to understand their point of view, and I want more than just like, well, that's because that's just like that's the way it is. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if that's your argument to me, then I'm like, you know what? Then I'm like, I don't know. I can't really take that argument very right. seriously. Like, help me understand. Like, what are you basing that off of? What do you see? What's your been ex your experience? Statistics. I want to learn. What are the statistics, right? Numbers. I think a lot of this comes down. If you think, I think Jeff Booth just tweeted something yesterday. He said most people don't look at the source of the problem, and I know he's talking about the money system when he talks about oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I really, and I really think this is my way of bringing the money system back into the conversation. But I, I really think the foundation of the system's broken. And people can't get ahead. Their savings don't go up in value. They always yeah. feel like they have to take more risk. And there's this uh, irritability in the unconsciousness of the community that produces a lot of this stuff. And this is this goes back to the Robert Breedlove talk that we had. I don't know when we're going to publish in what sequence here, but a, a lot about this stuff. Um, Frank, I want to ask you: mm -hmm. Are we going to? Are we talking about any other businesses that you're up okay, to? I got to ask you one thing about this, just about the savings and Frank, and, and we, we will we'll touch on that. But the savings, I, it, the savings don't have to go up in value. I think, I think the savings just have to retain. Don't have to lose value. They have to retain their purchase power because up in value to me, when I hear that, I'm like, well, where does that additional value come from? Because you earn the savings by creating value into into the community. So if you just park the money, and no, you're it'd be from lending value. it out at an honest interest rate. That's okay, what, that's yeah, what yeah, I mean. That's fine. That, sure. That's what I mean. That you could lend your money out at five percent. Okay, if we're talking, and the about, cost of capital is not fifteen percent, or inflation is not fifteen percent, not that reported inflation. Yeah. So that you can actually get ahead with a five percent loan. Okay, no, that's fair. That 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 I understand. But to me, it's it it doesn't even have to go to that level. Is if it retains it, because then people that are able to scrape together. I was having this discussion on the class last night I, I, I guess i went down a rabbit hole but i was like the people it sounds like you did without yeah. even hearing what yeah. you're about to say it sounds like we you. got good feedback so i guess it went well but it's like hey the people that are able you to got good feedback you lost the other half of yeah. members yeah. they're like this guy's insane <laughs> i'm <laughs> out of here <laughs> what is this rock star thing but no it like look you know everyone starts from a different a different point right and and, and there is discrepancies and there is unfairness in the system and i get it and, yeah. and where the unfairness starts is the people that are able to scrape together ten thousand dollars because they think they're getting further ahead but they can't use that ten thousand dollars because they're saving for something they need they need to buy it in a few years time that ten thousand the the purchasing power of that goes down to seven or six thousand by the ten years time that's why they can't get further ahead and and to your point i know that's what you're saying but that's the problem because yeah. you're not rewarded for that so it's it's holding those people down and it's openly being admitted 
Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that 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 uh, that video from the Bank of Canada governor that basically says inflation. People that don't have assets, people that operate more in cash, they bear the larger brunt of inflation. He's openly admitting it. Oh yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Like you, normally they try to hide that fact yeah. at least, right? And I went from a you know very skeptical on crypto guy to now being open to it because I watched some of my U.S. dollars this year just like it's not worth what it was and it's like okay what am i really doing here and and how did this happen and, and how do you fix it and the more i listen to these damn podcasts you guys put out <laughs> the more i'm starting to realize that uh you know fine things like finite supply uh there are certain hedges that really make um cryptocurrencies attractive to me philosophically i like the movement i like the movement away from government and um, to me, it's something I, I want to be a part of and I want to, uh, I want to support. It does so. feel like a new frontier almost, right? It does. Yeah. And honestly, the, like creating wealth the way you guys teach and you guys have created wealth for me. Like I tell you guys all the time, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm really happy. I, I, and I bring people to you guys and I'm, and I'm proud to do it. Um, but, you know, th- this is a prescription for living life really is on your terms and, you know, b- having a little bit of success. But being a revolutionary thinker and identifying these revolutionary changes are where the real big, in my opinion, the real big money is made. If you're ahead of this curve and you're anticipating a, a fundamental revolutionary systematic change and you have the guts to invest, then you're the guy. See that yacht there in the harbor? You're that guy. Like we're looking at a picture on the wall of TV, but you're that guy. And to me, I think that's like a fairy, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know it's a fairy, Nick. I'm just, these people can't see. Come on, man. Play along. It's a big yacht. Jeez. It's a big yacht. What if you own the fairy? Yeah, still yeah. happy? That would be a fairy. Jeez. <laughs> but I, I mean, think, I think we, you, can, you know, you, you should, we rented a little fairy. No, you know, we should buy, we should buy one of those fairies down at uh, the, the Toronto islands. It goes back and forth, but we should pimp it out. We should buy one of those old ferries and just turn it into some like crazy ass yacht. Like, no, and listen, we'll I think it. we have a solution for what you guys are saying. I don't have to open a club in Oakville. We're going to have a jujitsu ferry. Boom. Right to Roll my, right to my front oh, door. No, no, hold on. Hold on. This is serious now. Can we have a jujitsu ferry? Because if we go sure. into the middle of Lake Ontario, yeah. we're good. That's right. Actually, could Jiu-jitsu you straddle the tours. international border? You could <laughs> straddle the international border. <laughs> we could just go back and forth depending on which police boat's coming to get us. We Somebody just, I know took their over. boat from the Oakville Harbor and they lost track of the international border. They went on to the U.S. side. They said it was basically like a SWAT team yeah. pulled up on them. I'm like, holy smokes, yeah. on Lake Ontario? Happens to me all the time. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, because I fish, I fish the Niagara River, but I fish the St. Lawrence River a lot. And we were, we were out there in, in an ice storm in December. There's no boats because we're insane. And we're just sitting there, dink de like looking at each other. And then we heard like a, and I look at my buddy. I'm like, what the hell was that? And he's like, I don't know. And we just kind of sat there. And then we heard a, and then like, and we look and there's a giant, I don't know how it got next to us. Like right touching us is a giant black police boat with these decked out dudes. And the, you know, they thought we were smugglers because who the hell's out? Like, why the hell would you be out there just to catch a fish, you know, in, in minus four or minus five. And, uh, uh, but they're they're they were on us, you know. And then as soon as they like got a sense of who we were, they're just like, my God, like okay, guys. But it's whatever. intimidating when you see. Oh, these guys. geez, you, you turn around, and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of cops there, and they they were decked out in black. They were hardcore, you know, the big black boat and everything. And it was it was a little startling because you know when you're fishing, you're just kind of yeah, you're, you're serene, zen. you're yeah, calm, and yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, they're all over you. You got to be careful. So what they do, they just push you back on the other side or they just want to check you out, make sure you weren't smuggling. Yeah. 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 They just want to check us out. We have license. I have licenses for both countries, so, um, it's cool. But usually when they, they 
talk to us for five seconds. They just laugh at us. We go up to Gananoque sometimes, or I go up to sure. Gananoque sometimes up there and uh, take the sea dudes out our boats, and we end up on the other side. A little I hate bit. guys like you. But during during <laughs> during that during that time, I think they're okay Freaking with it during that time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely the guy you hate. Well, no, I stay away from the I stay away from the fishermen. Appreciate for the most it. Part, right? I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe because if you're on a on a, a jet ski or whatever, you're not bringing a ton of coke or whatever over the border or whatever those guys yeah. are wandering or doing. I think so. it's just the time of year they can't keep up with all the, all the watercrafts yeah, at that yeah, time. For right. Sure, so, for sure. so we're going to, we're going to wrap, but I want to, do you want to talk about what you're up to this? Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah. So tell us what's going on. Uh, pretty exciting working with a company, a new startup uh, called Scopify. They have uh, a, an amazing team, a really cool bootstrapped operation of dedicated guys and girls that are, um, Putting out, are you, turn, are you familiar with the term Industry 4.0? No, I, no, I saw you put yeah, that. And I, I didn't I know what it meant. I am. Yeah. yeah, and I put it in bold. Yeah, because that's like, guys, Google this if you don't know what it is. But never mind. I'll uh, next time I'll spell it out. Yeah, right? man, <laughs> yeah we need you to slow down. Priority. I'll, get, us, I'll get to that in two you and a half have weeks. Us up on okay. A pedestal so, of some sort. We, you, need to, you need to smash <laughs> that pedestal. So Industry 4.0 is the concept of the evolution. It's like the next industrial revolution, but in the virtual world, and it's it's basically. It was coined for um, automating manufacturing processes, but as, as we sort of evolve, um, there's a large AI component that's injecting itself into basically everything we do. And so this is a sales tool, basically. And like I worked in sales for years and years and years, and I still am, but I worked in corporate sales, business to business sales for years. And the, and the big problem is getting those leads, good qualified leads, the Glen Gary leads, right? We need the good leads. These leads are shit. You're shit, <laughs> right? So we need to get the good leads. And uh, this is a really uh, good AI system that uh, not only finds leads, but qualifies them, finds who the decision makers are, scours media and social media, builds uh, uh, personality profiles on these people and then writes emails for you to approach these people. So uh, really great for non-season um, industry salespeople to use. Uh, but the real, the real magic with this is that um, it, it grows and learns the more access to data it gets, the more access that Tom feeds the machine, the more it learns about the customer and what works for the customer. And it's a principle called the wisdom of the crowd. And so whether you give it access to your systems, your emails, or whether you allow people to input and use it as a sales tool and as a scouting tool and as an A-B testing tool, because if you're going to hit on a company and find out that it's got all these divisions and that they're looking for these services and, hey, this service they're looking for, we just started this service. Oh, my God, this works. So this is a tool that's a living, breathing entity and uh, it plugs into your 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 business family and grows with you and learns and and it it really helps people um, to to find identify and close sales and uh, it's I've never seen anything like it before and um, we're having a great time with it I'm I'm active. you're involved with these guys now I'm involved with it I'm 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 leading the charge on some sales efforts with some big clients right now we're talking to and uh, we're doing some we're I'm trying to raise some funds for them to some capital where the some heck rounds. are we headed. Because you know what? Just yesterday, I think one of those Twitter bots got into a thread, Nick. I don't know if you noticed with us and Greg and Jesse and stuff like that. And if you see some of the communication that comes from some of these Twitter bots, it's really good. Like the, you think you're communicating right. with a human. 
It is freaky. I got caught doing that the other day. I'm like, look at this. I, I was talking to this guy. Look at this things he said to me. My friend's like, that's a bot. I'm like, Durr. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone kind of called it out, and everyone's like, oh, that's a bot. Okay, because it was, yeah. it, but it was really intelligent. Like the communication that was starting to go back and forth. I'm not saying the communi- the conversation itself was a good conversation, but the ability for it to respond and provoke some emotion. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, holy yes. shit. And the ability for for it to learn is truly what's scary. And and the more I talk to smarter guys like my than myself, guys like you. And then these tech guys I'm working with, with this, it's like, wow, where is this going? But for now, I uh, I don't think there's anything like this. I think these guys are, are landmark, groundbreaking. Uh, I think this is going to be very big. And um, they're offering some pretty attractive, like, uh, the platform's about 95% done. It's it's functioning, and, and we have customers. But uh, for some of the larger corporate business-to-business uh, entities, there's some pretty good incentives right now to sign up and... Um, start using the wisdom of the crowd to let this platform justify itself at, a, at low to no cost. And it's a, it's a really, it's just a really cool time to be a part of this. And uh, I'm excited for this. this because company. instead of getting the standard sales email that you get in like an automated drip sequence, it's like, Hey, I know you're busy, but you know, we're doing this in your space or whatever. And everyone's just like, Oh, another sales message. And you kind of delete it. But if this AI knows how to press my buttons or your buttons to get a lead for the salesperson. Because if if you feed five or six interactions, blog posts, Twitter feeds or whatever about somebody, Mm -hmm. this AI might be able to say, hey, Nick responds to this. Yeah, but you're Tom and Tom has hours of content out there in media. So they're going to be able to build a really good profile on you. But you're, you're overthinking this. It's not just that. It's a lot of people that are tasked with sales that don't want to do it. Don't even know how to, hey, I know you're busy, but they can't even be like, this is uh, this is my name. They don't know how to be social, like engineers and tech guys and stuff and guys that are so darn smart that sometimes the interpersonal side will suffer. These are really great markets for, for something like this because they're going to teach you how to relate to somebody on a whole different level. And you guys, we all know that sales is about making that connection. Like that's, to me, that's all it is, about making that connection with somebody and finding what that connection is. And the AI is gonna do that for you. And it's gonna help you not have to hire a sales force as much as maybe you might have to otherwise. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. If anybody wants to learn more, hit me up through my website. Just just go to passwordrbjj.com, shoot me a So we'll put the, we'll the we'll put the link to your website okay. in the show notes for this yeah. episode. Or my email address, you can put up whatever. Okay, and then the Always Be Choking podcast on Facebook. There's already a Facebook page. Facebook page for it. Yeah, follow us. And uh, As much for, as we all just smashed Facebook. Yeah, there's a Facebook page for <laughs> I, Always dude, Be Choking. I hate it. It's, a low, it's a low-hanging fruit, man. It's the easiest way just to throw something up there, right? Well, I'm not going to use it much. Uh, the website uh, is going to be bechoking.com. So that's going to be live uh, within days. So um, Be choking like B-E or B? B? Yeah, B-E choking. Be choking. Yeah, so that's a that's an option if someone is not on Facebook I just to kind of bookmark choking. that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, always keep going after it and keep keep going at it. And uh, I, I'm appreciative that you guys invited me back up. And I always love coming and visiting you guys and just seeing what's up, getting some advice, and talking about the the state of. Uh, State of affairs. Everything. For, yeah, man. It's yeah, fun it's to a, have you. Yeah. Yeah, Two-way yeah. street, man. Appreciate we really it. appreciate it. And thanks for all the support over the years, man. It's, it's My pleasure. You guys you guys walk the walk. And uh, you know what? You, uh, your salespeople, you, they, you know, I, I work with JP, as you know, and like he cares about us. And, you know, it, it's, it's just a good service. It's a good unified movement of, of people who are not investor sharks that want to better their lives. And it's just a, this is a, a really great thing to be a part of. So I Thanks, appreciate and we'll, it. Yeah. You know what? We'll buy, yeah. you a, we'll buy you a pair of gloves for the next time you're moving an appliance. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Cool. Appreciate it, man. All right, man.
Hey, everyone. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Frank Angaro. And remember, be on the lookout for his podcast, Always Be Choking. And if you want to come to the Your Life, Your Terms event on Saturday, February 20th, you can find out more details and grab yourself a ticket at www.yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.